Hi, I'm Jake Parker with the What's Your Story podcast. Here I talk with my guests about their life experiences as well as current and long-term goals and what gets them through the ups and downs. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe, and if you don't already, follow my Instagram account at jparkerfitlife for actionable tips daily to live a healthier lifestyle and for access to my YouTube and blog. Enjoy the show. Hi, guys. Welcome to the What's Your Story podcast. I'm here with my friend today, Chris Hudek. He just got back from uh, a trip for about six months teaching English as a foreign language in Thailand. So we wanted to talk a little bit about today about that experience and about some of the dichotomies between the different cultures as far as Asia and the United States, as far as being kind of counter to the whole nine to five typical office business uh, lifestyle. So we're going to kind of go a lot of different directions and I'll let Chris go ahead and give a little bit of a spiel on his introduction and time he spent in Thailand. Yeah. Awesome, man. Um, Been really excited to come on here for a couple months now, ever since you mentioned it, it's been really cool to uh, watch you start this whole thing. And, you know, when it first started as an Instagram account, everyone thought it was kind of funny, but then we realized how serious you were about it. And, um, on top of that, it's just been cool to see you grow as a person and inspire others. You know, the best way to do it is uh, grow as yourself and then others will take notice. And I think pretty much anyone who's friends with you would say there's been quite a change in you the last few months. So um, it's been cool to see that. And and yeah, I'm excited to share my experiences with you about everything I saw and felt was uh, different between what I would call East and Western culture and mm-hmm. just how much I learned and opened my mind to new things. and just a short time. So as far as your background, give a little uh, bit of a spiel about sort of where you grew up, kind of growing up, um, going into accounting and college, kind of choosing your degree, and then sort of making that pivot towards the end of college to now you're on the path to be a teacher and where going to Thailand sort of worked in all that. Yeah, man, it's uh, been kind of all over the map, but when I graduated, had no idea what I wanted to do. In the back of my mind, I figured I wanted to do something with maybe teaching and coaching, but everyone was just so set on the the business field and, and uh, I was pretty set on fitting in with the status quo. So decided to go with business to start out with, went to Lincoln, joined a fraternity with you. Cause again, that's kind of what everyone else is doing. Um, had a great time with it. No regrets there. Met a lot of good guys. Um, but then yeah, accounting kind of took off and we got into school and, really serious about everything then before you know it you're doing internships and um, you graduate and I do my first full-time internship at a public accounting firm doing about 60 70 hour weeks doing audits and um, tax returns and you know I think about my summer internship at a a small company I realized that um, it wasn't really for me in just the terms that I felt very out of place and you know every interaction was kind of fake for me and I realized I was just doing this because everyone else was doing it and about the time I realized there's two weeks left in my internship and I could barely even make it till then um, just living the office lifestyle I realized there's no way I'll be able to sign on and do this about that time I realized you know what else is there out there for me and um, after one more internship I realized that this just was not the path for me mm-hmm. so how much do you relate your choices in 
school and the choices you made up to uh, the point in your life up to, to where you are now to sort of your upbringing and what you saw growing up. Because I know for me, yeah, no, you, I think that a lot of the choices just came from wanting to emulate the people that I was around. Absolutely. I think for me, it was just my parents and my extended family that always lived these big careers. And, you know, I don't know, we talked about generational differences between our parents and, and your dad and his expectations for you. And, mm-hmm. and just kind of, you grind to grow up into it that, you know, your status and your job is so important to you. But when you get down to it, I think we both realize it's much more important to do something you're passionate about. Yeah, I think it's interesting how like the thing that I've realized the most is that there's a lot more ways to make a living than just having one job or a linear career path. And that, you know, you can, especially in the age that we live in with the resources we have access to, like the internet, is there's just so many different directions you can take. Oh yeah, no flexibility like you've never had before. So where... I don't even know if I actually know the answer to this question, but where exactly did you first get the idea of going to Thailand and teaching English? Um, well, it's from a friend of ours, Anthony Jordahl, came to me with this brilliant plan of uh, going abroad to teach English in some foreign country. And I'd always had the urge to get back overseas after I studied abroad and do some big trip. And I wanted to go with some friends, but most people were still tied up finishing school and whatnot. And I found out I'm going to get into this master's teaching program that didn't start for another eight months. And I figured I could either do one of two things, get some basic boring job in Omaha and live at home and save up some money and do it safe or do something crazy and go abroad and have some awesome experience learning about different things and seeing as much as I could. So I went ahead and went through with that and uh, uh, threw myself overseas and had no idea what to expect. And, uh, but found a job at a school teaching English to all ages, little kids, middle schoolers, high schoolers, and adults, because what you learn is everyone really has a big desire to learn English over there. Um, and at first, I really wasn't loving things, to be honest. I was trying to fit in with this group of teachers and keep living my Western lifestyle of going to work, working out, trying to lose weight. Um, my big thing was all getting healthy and, and getting into shape and and drinking on the weekends. And then after a while, I realized that that really wasn't cutting it for me. So I kind of turned away from that friend group and got more involved with the the local Thai people and um, started living life the way they did, which is completely different from our Western culture. You think that you were kind of averse at first to being thrown into that just because yeah. it was so different? Yeah, you're just not used to it. You're only used to living life one way. and But it takes a while to get adjusted. And then once you do, you realize that you know, these people aren't worried about um, what comes next, you know, what's tomorrow, what's the next job. I was always asking the secretary, you know, what she's planning on doing after this job. And she like gave me this quizzical look, like I'm not even worried about what I'm doing tomorrow, you know? And then it just kind of hit me that your Western lifestyle is always worried about what's next, you know, what's the next vacation, what's the next job. And, mm-hmm. and these people just live in the moment. They're, they're having plenty of fun, just, you know, having lunch and having coffee with their family and, and, you know, I just realized to start slowing down and quit being so worried about what's next and uh, just kind of live a more simple lifestyle where you enjoy every day rather than work, 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 work for the next big car, big raise, big job, big vacation. Mm-hmm. So how long would you say it kind of took to start making that transition? I'd say about two to three months, really. Um, and then um, a slow process after that. But once you realize how much happier you become, just living the day-to-day life and living in the moment and doing 
things like me and you have started meditating actually, mm-hmm. um, which has quite the stigma behind it. And mm-hmm. it sounds like you're some hippie, mm-hmm. um, but in reality, it's more about just um, focusing on your breath and, and being in the moment rather than always being away in your head. kind of. Mm-hmm. And you state. think that has a lot to do with the fact that I know we've talked about how they are very widely Buddhist yeah. out there. Is that a big part of the, that's kind of what they preach essentially. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Buddhism is really interesting because it's not so much of a religion of gods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they believe in reincarnation and whatnot, but all it is is a practice of clearing suffering and making your mind at peace. And most people don't know a whole lot about it, but in terms of meditating and their belief in karma, you know, they are so stuck in their ways about karma to an extent you wouldn't believe. Everything they do to others they believe comes back to them. So everything they do is about helping others, being nice to everyone, and making everything a group thing. You know, mm-hmm. There's a real sense of togetherness, and anytime I ever felt myself out in public, lost or needing help, people would just come up to you. Uh, if you ran out of gas on your way to work, people would come running out with gas to fill up your tank. They wouldn't take money. They'd give you rides all over town. They'd really make you feel welcome. And once I realized how much better you feel about yourself when you're Mm -hmm. living for others instead of living for yourself it really it was really obvious how much that can make your life better Mm -hmm. it is weird how it's kind of it's hard to describe to people how Mm -hmm. like i've noticed a big difference since trying to live more for other people and do things for other people it's Mm -hmm. just like it's a feeling that you get and it's not a feeling like it's kind of a high but it's Mm -hmm. not a high you can get from like like you kind of talked about getting buying a new x Mm -hmm. car Mm -hmm piece of clothing, whatever. It's not a feeling like that. It's just a, it's indescribable. I think that Mm -hmm. a lot of it comes back to, I think in, I wouldn't say do research, but kind of learn, try to learn a lot about like our biological and ancestral um, selves and past and how that's so ingrained in us. I think that a big part of it comes from like, you feel that happiness and sense of fulfillment because when we were living in tribes and just trying to survive day to day, that is literally what was going to advance your species your people your group help keep you alive and so i think that a lot of the greater good for sure Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely and i think that um it's really obvious once you start doing that how um, profound an impact you can have on other people i know when you when you talk about how a big part of buddhism is just like trying to end suffering not necessarily end suffering but not not I guess, be dragged into suffering. Well, the, the state of enlightenment is mm-hmm. literally ending suffering. So now you're right. And so I know that a big part of it that I've heard of before, I guess, is just the fact that they say suffering comes from wanting things to be different than they are right now. Absolutely. And so just focusing exactly. on like, you, like falling into your emotions. Like if you're sad, just letting yourself mm-hmm. be sad. If you're happy, just letting yourself be happy. And they say it's interesting because uh, I guess when they talk about that, I think the main point is like people want to stop being sad as soon as they can when they're sad and mm-hmm. they want to prolong happiness as long mm-hmm. as they can when they're feeling it's happy. But just like how, how are people able to, and how have you yourself, like what are, what are some tactics that they use to not get caught up in emotions and not want more of good and yeah. less of the bad? Yeah, it's uh it's, it's difficult, no doubt. Um, but I think once you realize that, you have so little control on what happens in the external world that uh, concentrating on your internal state of mind just makes all the difference. Um, But some ways I do it is meditation, um, just concentrating on 
their breath and what's around them and getting out of their head a little bit is a big difference. But um, also just realizing that pleasures, um, although good in the short run, actually bring unhappiness in the long run and focusing more on, um, for example, uh, being compassionate toward others or um, using kindness or um, using empathy when you're talking to people, you know, is much more important in the long run um, than doing things like boasting or bragging or something like that, which maybe brings um, short-term pleasure, but mm -hmm. isn't good for you in the long run. So I'm trying to think about how to phrase this, but for example, and now this isn't to be taken like literally necessarily, but you walk down a street in America, you might see a mechanic, a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, an X, a Y, whatever. Is it the same in Thailand where like people still have these careers or is it different and like people don't have set career paths and things like that? Oh, incredibly different. There's, um, there is doctors and mechanics and lawyers, um, but that's in the westernized part of it. You know, in the true Thai areas, people work a restaurant seven days a week. People work a cafe. People work in uh, rice fields. People work in their day, their family-owned shop that's had for generations. And, you know, you always ask them, you know, are you trying to expand your business? Are you trying to, you know, get employees? And, and they're just content with working seven days a week where they are. They hardly take vacations. Um, it doesn't make any sense. And they're, they're very poor. And you'd mm -hmm. think this would lead to, you know, a sense of negativity or, um, uh, suffering, but in reality, they are so content with what they have and they just don't care about what's next. They just care about, you know, serving fruit to their daily uh, customer and creating relationships with their, their customers and their friends that they're so connected to others um, and have such a sense of togetherness that they aren't really worried about what's next, you know, and it's really hard to wrap your head around that. But um, uh, I sent you that, I, I sent you that book about the Dalai Lama mm -hmm. and uh, the difference between Eastern and West cultures. And one of the main things was that in Eastern culture, they grow up with so much suffering around them that they're used to it. Mm -hmm. you know? uh, people dying at a little bit earlier age, sickness being more common, poverty, working more, that they're so used to that, that when they grow up, anything good is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas me and you have talked about, sometimes you grow up here in this uh, fantasy land of suburbia that everything's supposed to be mm -hmm. rainbows and butterflies like the biggest struggle might be if your tv would go out yeah, for a week or something like that exactly and you're just not used to suffering that um you know a lot of people lead to having great sense of depression and anxiety when they grow up here and it's not really talked about because it's kind of a stigma but i think if you look around um people aren't quite as happy as what they might put out there for you mm -hmm. on social media or how they talk and how they act. Yeah, I think one of the most fascinating things is just that the fact that I always, I think that I, up until like graduating, I was always in a somewhat similar, um, I guess, area in life, if you want to, if you'd say it that way. Sure. And just the fact that like it was safe, like I had the support of my parents. Not that I don't have the support of my parents now, but having my degree and not having any plans to be in school again in the immediate future. Like I'm on my own and paying all my own bills and yeah. stuff like that. And so the difference just being like, it's not, it's, it's, it's definitely a good thing, but it's a lot different for me. Like I have to think about, it's, it's allowed me to think more about what I really want and what's important to me. Oh yeah. But where I was going with that is just that I think it's crazy how 
um, your expectations really match your reality. Oh, and I never yes, realized that yes. until this point where like, yes. I remember when I used to, like, I, I, I had pretty bad anxiety going in, like being in my last semester of school. Cause I was like, I don't know where I'm going to live. I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah, you were freaking out. <laughs> yeah. And, but now it's just like, and even like living here in Omaha, I was like, oh, I don't know if I could live in Omaha. Like I've only lived in Hastings and Lincoln. That's what I yeah. know. And I've been here for like two months and it's like totally normal. It's yeah. just like, I think that people really <laughs> mind building stuff up in your head. That's mm, not actually meant to be. I think that people really just like, don't, I think, yeah, just like you say, you build it up too much mm -hmm. and like you don't, you underestimate your own capacity even Yes. to where like, Oh man, this is going to be so much different, but like different isn't necessarily bad. Just like you adjust so quickly. Yeah. And I think that that's what resonates with me the most. When you talk about those people there, if yeah. someone from America was like, Oh my God, they live in, I mean, in squalor yeah. almost. Oh it's like, how, how can they be okay with that? But it's really just so much based on your mindset and what you're used mm -hmm. to. Yeah, no, I think you had two big things there. Um, one would be your expectations versus reality. And there's a million studies done on happiness is pretty much, what what is it? The happiness hypothesis is your expectations minus reality is your outcome. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to kind of drop expectations of everything, you know, um, and just live life with how it is, not what you want it to be and what, mm -hmm. what you want things to be. Um, and then secondly is um, the willingness to have an open mind. Um, because when you live one life for so long, you think anything different is wrong. Mm -hmm. And I think what I've learned is the amount of times where I've felt so strongly about something my whole life and then recently realized how wrong that was mm -hmm. to just consider myself to you know, have an open mind towards everything because in reality, um, your brain thinks you're a lot smarter than you actually are. Mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest dichotomies just in the world in general is like the more educated, especially as far as like life experiences being educated, you become, it's like the less sure you are. I mean, there's some kind of quote along the lines of like uh, the, the, mo the, the most intelligent people are the least sure of their convictions and the least yeah. intelligent people are the uh -huh. most sure of their convictions yes. or something like that. 100%. Yeah, you want to be, I think the quote was, you want to be, you never want to be the smartest guy in the room, mm -hmm. no matter what. You always want to be learning from someone. So my next question that comes to mind is, what do you think about the comparison of something you kind of touched on as far as the um, positive feelings you get from earning more money and earning more things, like is sort of typical of the Western culture of things that people try to um, strive for in earning monetary and business success. And then just as opposed to being happy with what you have and just being grateful for everything, mm -hmm. what are some of the big differences there? And as far as what you've noticed yourself and I guess just your own thoughts about that. Yeah. Well, I think what I've noticed is that um, a lot of what comes with making money and bigger things is, um, is uh, someone's desire for status um, in culture. It's not, how, how many things do people buy for themselves that if no one else knew about, um, they'd really care mm -hmm. about, you know? So over in Thailand, I'd say people um, didn't really have this sense of, you know, status and always being so worried about what people think that they don't even know, you know? Um, so here, you're always gonna care about what the people closest to you think, you know? But the people that, um, you just come across in daily life. People are very concerned about making sure that their status is meeting theirs or above theirs. Whereas in Thailand, everyone is more worried about um, just becoming friendly with everyone and mm -hmm. uh, a greater sense of togetherness and, and not so uh, 
competitive, you know, in, mm-hmm. in our culture. Um, there's no doubt that competition and um, capitalism has made this country so advanced and um, you can never have it any other way. But with that comes a sense of competition and squashing the other person and, and even to get deeper with it, profitizing every little thing, mm-hmm. you know, people always know there's issues with healthcare here, but when you think about it, it's coming down to the fact that we're making the dollar off people getting sick and dying and other countries are just, no one else does that anywhere in the world, mm-hmm. you know? So between that and uh, constantly trying to, to put others down in your, in your pursuit of making the dollar has just become, I think maybe over the top recent in yeah. recent years. And the thing about, the thing about money is like, you can always make more. And it's just kind of like, we just talked about expectations. Like if you want to strive to make $50,000 and you make that, and then X amount of years later, you make a hundred thousand dollars and you want to make 200,000 mm-hmm. you want to make mm-hmm. 500,000. Mm-hmm. You want to make a million. When's it enough? Just, you know, yeah. When's it enough? But I wonder, I, I, I was also kind of thinking like, how does that relate to happiness? Because it's not, not that it's similar, but like money, it's like your happiness net doesn't necessarily have a limit too. And so, I mean, I'm sure that with them, a big part of it is like, like you say, being present and being mindful. But I guess that that kind of goes back to the fact of just not wanting and not mm-hmm. getting rid of desires. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess to where I think it's just hard for us to look at sometimes happiness because it's such a, it's so different than a lot of the ways that people look at it in other areas mm-hmm. of the world. Yeah. Cause like you can always, you can always want more happiness, but at the same time, I think it's different striving for happiness than it is striving for money. It's much different. Yeah. hundred percent. And it's, it's not just Thailand. It's other, it's Europe and it's Canada and it's all these other countries, but it's, it's hard to, it's hard to con- convince people and tell people about it. Cause your only experience is um, this mass media and, everything that everyone else around you is experiencing here. So it's, I mean, you know, even before I left, I just had so many different opinions on things and not that this has just totally changed everything about Mm -hmm. me, but before you're exposed to different ways of thinking, um, it's, it's really hard to wrap your head around. So how do you think that relates back to comparison? Would you say that I, I, I would assume from an outsider's perspective that comparison probably not that it doesn't exist at all, but it's probably very irrelevant in that culture. And how does that relate to here where it seems like we're constantly comparing ourselves to others and our things to others? Yeah, no, in a way. And again, we've, we've been kind of bashing on culture here and it's not all bad. Um, there's certainly good in things. Um, I still think there's great people you meet everywhere here. I just think kind of the way of life does affect things. Um, and I would just say kind of like what I said earlier, you know, people everywhere care about what those close to them think. If a good friend of yours tells you something offensive or mean to you, you're going to be affected by mm-hmm. it or your parent. Um, I think the difference is um, constantly comparing yourselves to people that you don't know here, mm-hmm. you know. And many people say Americans live in their own bubble. Well, Europeans live in their bubble and Thai people live in their bubble and Australians live in their bubble. So everything, you know, everything is a product of what you're around and your circumstances and what other people around you are doing much more so than the person itself. You know, it's kind of a cruel example to use, but if me and you grew up in Nazi Germany and we're 22 year olds, you know, um, we would have been Nazi. Yeah, like, what, what are the chances that we were enlisted, you know, or if we were, if we grew up in Alabama um, when slavery was a thing, what are the chances we owned slaves, you know? Yeah. And you look so back at cynical like our, to think about, yeah. but, like you look back at our founding fathers and yeah, 
they had a lot of noble ideas and they founded this country, but at the same time, they all own slaves. Yeah. Like no, you think seriously. about how, how far thought They're glorified from, in American history textbooks. And, yeah. In just like a couple hundred years. But yeah, something else I think is interesting when you talk about like the comparison aspect is I think it's, I think that people in America are really affected by like, first of all, we kind of touched on social media. That's a huge route for comparison as far as like people talking about themselves and stuff like that, but also through TV, uh, especially advertising on TV and stuff like that. I mean, advertising is everywhere now. Obviously people aren't watching typical Mm -hmm. TV as much anymore, but I think that advertisements are a big part of like making you want more. And so feeling like more money is going to get you X or Y. Mm -hmm. I think that's another really interesting aspect of it just in terms of like they're not they're not over there watching tv or they probably do consume social media i'm guessing but not social media is as high an extent and even the poor poor people over there still everyone had an iphone and instagram you know it's just taken over everything but Mm -hmm. more importantly the mass the mass advertising you talked about has become so profound that you know it instills you that you're always needing more and wanting more you know more than anything it's not just about status and comparing yourself to others but when you're constantly being shoved down your throat that you need more, you know, based on whatever it is, commercials, advertisements everywhere, you know, it just kind of becomes your way of life. Mm -hmm. I mean, (laughs) a friend of ours works for the Chai Health Center and what do they just pay $30 million to put their name Mm -hmm. on the downtown entertainment center? Which is supposed to be nonprofit, which is kind of messed (laughs) up, but that's a whole different story. Yeah, I mean, I get it. They have to have their business, but um, it does sum up a lot of uh, the stuff here. So, yeah. Well, anyway, on a lighter note, what are your, I guess, sort of plans? Not, I don't want to talk about your whole entire future plans yeah. here, but like, as far as where do you want to go with teaching? I know that you uh, obviously have a, a employment opportunity coming up. So yeah. what, what, are, what are your plans there? Well, um, I'd say when I first decided to do this program and become a teacher, I was kind of a little bit um, down on myself as if, you know, I couldn't make it in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. Whereas after teaching and learning how much um, joy it brings you and how much I really loved it and the relationships mm-hmm. that come with it. You know, I think I have a new outlook on it and I'm really excited to see where, you know, it takes me. Um, right now I'm going to be in a program to get certified to be a high school teacher and teach business, um, which is where I want to start. But um, I have plans to get my master's and then you can teach college courses. I would love to continue teaching English as a foreign language here back in the States um, because of the relationships you can form with, you know, people here struggling mm-hmm. to adapt to their new culture here, you know, refugees and immigrants. And uh, so I'd like to continue doing that as well as um, working towards getting that certification. Yeah, that brings up another point, which is I was trying to think about how to phrase this. I wanted to use the word, the word that comes to mind would be forgive yourself, but I don't think that that's, I think that kind of has a negative connotation, but just saying like, how, 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 are we, how did you deal with like, the negative feeling of like, oh, I went and got this accounting degree. Like, I I don't know. The term forgive yourself doesn't do it justice, but like forgiving yourself for, oh, why didn't I just know I wanted to be a teacher from the start? Or why did Mm -hmm. I go through and get this degree in something I didn't really enjoy? How did you deal with those like feelings and emotions and kind of making the the turn? Well, at first they're kind of overwhelming, right? Because Mm -hmm. everyone you know and everything you know is saying, you know, you kind of coughed out and um, just because you didn't like it. But in reality, I think um, if I hadn't gone through with that, you wouldn't have learned um, what you do like. And you hear a million times, but the only way to find what you do want to do is, you know, learning what you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. So that certainly was part of it. Um, but also, um, I don't know, I think you got a finance degree and um, 
we both got good degrees but yeah like you're never going to regret having having a bachelor's degree in business because i mean that's the way that our world works our world is always in Mm -hmm. some sense has some business context yeah i mean everyone out there needs a degree for something Mm -hmm. Um, it doesn't exactly matter what subject you happen to study it's not going to make all the difference it's just interesting like how we've talked about before it's well that's one of the other big differences between uh like the eastern and western world is just the fact that here you make the decision of like what what career path you're going to take at 18 years old yeah which is crazy and you go straight from high school too to where i know that most other places um they're generally like is a break or a gap year or something like that Mm -hmm. to kind of give yourself a little bit more time to think absolutely yeah you you go from having to raise your hand to use the restroom at 18 Mm -hmm. deciding what you want to do the rest of your life which i mean i don't know i think I think most people out there went to college for something different than they do now anyway. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very, very common and not, not something you need to have your life decided by such a young yeah. age. And um, it's just a process of always growing and learning. You're, yeah. you're never set on one thing for life. Yeah. Like you say, and just like the changes in perspective, I think anyone can relate. Like when you're a freshman or a sophomore and you're in business mm-hmm. college, you're like, yep, like I'm going to be working in X company or X business, mm-hmm. X field mm-hmm. till I'm mm-hmm. ready to retire. And yeah. then you kind of realize, like we talked about, there's a lot of different paths you can take. Yeah. Even if that's like something else we sort of talked about, even that like owning a business, you still, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to own a business these days too. It's not necessarily like owning a physical business, but there's so many different ways to use your degree. I think that for one of, one of the things that I've, I was even talking to you about before this is I, I think that with how much the world's changing, that the typical nine to five office cubicle job oh, is going to become yeah. antiquated at some point Absolutely. just because of how fast we're advancing. Mm-hmm. If not for people's thought processes changing in this way, mm-hmm. like we've talked about for the fact that there's going to be technology that's going to yeah. be able to do a lot oh, of the things that we're doing in office. Automation is just taking over everything, you know? Yeah. I mean, what are people even doing in office jobs anymore? Mm-hmm. Just entering data into the computer software. That's mm-hmm. all you're really learning. You're not using the formulas. You're not, you're not doing the basic procedures anymore. It's all just yeah. about what you can do on the computer. And so that's why I think another good part about having a degree and especially a business degree is there is a lot of emphasis on soft skills. And that's one thing that at least at the current time, like computers can't necessarily emulate that. And like we have the unique ability to have human intellect and have soft skills. And so I think that's one thing that people people do focus on, but even could use some more emphasis is just making sure you are thinking critically and you're having those soft skills of communication and selling is another big part, depending mm-hmm. on what exactly you want to do. But I think every aspect of life, you're going to have to sell yourself in some, in some sort of way. So yes. I think that your principles and your soft skills are what's going to carry you into the next wave of whatever that is Absolutely. In, in society. Yeah. I mean, just look at what you're doing. You can't, you can't emulate that. You're, Mm-hmm. You're looking at doing coaching and personal fitness mm-hmm. and all those things. I'll never yeah. like we can, like as humans, we can almost read each other's brainwaves in a sense. I think we're always kind of doing that. And yeah, that's just not something that a computer can, mm-hmm. can, can comprehend at least at this point, I guess that's all I have, but I will, I guess you sort of touched on the, what's your story question, but as hopefully people are, starting to know I end every podcast by asking the guest, what do they want their story to be when it's all said and done looking back down the road years and years from now, I think that you've sort of touched on how you want to be able to impact people and just live a life that's based on your own purpose, I guess, and finding your own meaning. But 
what would you say if you had to expand on what you want your individual story to be? Yeah, um, that's a pretty comprehensive question, but um, I guess at the end of the day, I would rather have my life be about relationships with others, you know, um, on an everyday basis and impacting uh, young people's futures. Um, I know I had great role models when I was in high school of coaches and some teachers, and um, my goal is to be that teacher for the next generation. And, you know, I, maybe I don't necessarily believe in, you know, teaching debits and credits as much as I do, um, making an impact on someone's life and and uh, hopefully giving them some inspiration for their futures. So I guess when it's all said and done, I'll judge myself more based on um, how many people I've reached out to and touched than uh, what I've created for a business or anything like that. I like that. That's a good goal. All right. Well, that's all we have for today. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you again next week. This has been the What's Your Story podcast. If you like the show, please subscribe, uh, share with family and friends, and leave me a review. I really appreciate any and all feedback. Thanks.